Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. We will also first talk about recently watched, which we will try not to spoil. And we are not professional critics. We're just three friends who met working at an art supply store and haven't worked there for years. Now we uh, do other stuff and make a podcast about horror movies. That kind of sums it up, but I do want to thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you could buy it digitally. And say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. And guys, it's uh, going to be Valentine's Day sometime shortly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Next Sunday. A week from right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's any surprise to our listeners that we're recording this during the Super Bowl? Oh, is that one? <laughs> oh shit! I forgot all about it. <laughs> I saw uh, I saw some of the Puppy Bowl today. How was that it? That was good. Who won? Uh, I think it was the rough team. Oh, okay. It was, it was the furry team last year. Okay. They had uh, Snoop Dogg and uh, yeah, he was one of the commentators. Uh, Mary Stewart. Oh, okay. They, they ran out of people with dog-related names, so they're just like, you'll do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think Nate Dog is no longer with us, so they couldn't get him. So, uh... McGruff, the crime dog? McGruff would be a good one. He's still alive. Uh, he could have done it. The guy who did his voice might be. Who knows with the animators. Um, who wants to start Recently Watched? You do. Me? All right, fine. I watched a documentary called uh, J.R. Bob Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius. And this was a uh, this is a movie that is a documentary about a couple of friends from Texas who were the only real weirdos in their town that they well, they were the weirdest weirdos in their town and they had some crazy ideas. They had so much in common. They liked collecting wacko religious pamphlets and they decided it would be funny to start a parody religion, which they did, the Church of the Subgenius. They weren't artists at all, but they had funny ideas, so they just used a clip art guy with a pipe sticking out of his mouth and just named him Bob Dobbs and uh, constructed a whole phantasmagorical religion and uh, they didn't really mean it and they didn't really think it would take off, but it did. So when you watch this thing, you get to see that there are people like um, David Byrne from The Talking Heads and Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo and uh, all kinds of other people who were attracted to this craziness. Uh, they had some trouble along the way, but it's a, it's a very good documentary if you, if you like finding out really what was behind all of it. 
because my first experience with it was seeing the book in the in the in the bookstores, and it just I was trying to figure out where they were coming from. This tells you where they were coming from, and I was always curious, and I found out. So I recommend it for anyone who found that to be kind of odd, and. Uh, of course, when you watch one thing, you get other suggestions of things you could watch. So I watched uh, Animation Outlaws. This was about uh, uh, the the two guys who started the uh, these was it uh, Spike and Mike uh, Animation Festival. Yeah, what did they call it? They had some crazy name for it later on, but they just at first called it the Festival of Animation. But then I think they started calling it uh, Sick and Twisted. I think. Was it? Maybe. I think that's how, I think that's where they went with it. But uh, there's uh, all kinds of great interviews, and uh, you see a lot of little bits and pieces of animation from some great animators. Uh, some that never went on to be known for much, and some who became Nick Park with uh, Wallace and Gromit, and uh, people like that. So you have Mike Judge, famous for King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead, and Office Space. He went into making live action movies. So you get to see uh, the humble beginnings and all the weirdness. Again, the weirdness. Uh, the guys would go out and they would promote their film festival in a town. And they'd go flyering where they weren't allowed to flyer. And uh, got themselves into some trouble. Anyway, uh, so you see them doing things like flyering outside of a Kentucky Fried Chicken with a chicken costume. And just trying to get people to show up. And they never expected it to be as big as it was. Kind of like the Church of the Subgenius. It was just a crazy idea, but it got bigger and bigger. And then a competitive, uh, or I should say, a competitor popped up. Somebody who already had a bunch of connections in landmark cinemas started their own animation festival. So then they weren't the only ones in the game and they had some fierce competition going. So it's a very interesting one. I really wanted to watch Happy Happy Joy Joy, the Ren and Stimpy story, but they wanted money for that. And I also was kind of in the mood to watch some apes, so I watched Making Apes, the artist who changed film. Have you seen this one, Jolian? Is this the uh, Charles Kimura one? Uh, it was, let's see. It's directed by William Conlon, and it stars... The usual people you'd expect to see. Uh, Rick Baker, you know, people commentating on it. You get Howard Berger, Greg Kamen, John Chambers, Bill Corso. Uh, Guillermo, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro <laughs> is really funny in this. Joe Dante is great. Uh, Richard Donner. You get a lot of directors who talk about how they were influenced. But um, a lot of the original artists no longer with us so mostly just what you get from them are old interviews or archival footage but uh this just came out in uh 2020 i'm sorry 2019 so about two years ago and no shortage of great footage great interviews uh behind the scenes stuff that i had not seen before big recommend for anyone who likes planet of the apes and then i just went ahead and watched planet of the apes which one the uh the original okay you know the tim burton one oh Oh, no come on i watched (laughs) i watched the original and uh not any of the sequels yet but i'm kind of feeling like it's time to go down and you know 
a total rabbit hole of apes soon. That's it for me, other than uh, my bloody Valentine. Who wants to go next? Well, okay. Uh, not much. Uh, Deep Space Nine winding down. We're in the last season. Uh, about halfway through. Uh, realized watching a, a formerly syndicated weekly show um, that shows like that can really do tonal shifts that uh, that programs now don't do since most stories are uh, continuing it seems in those TV programs so they try to keep the same uh, tone uh, Star Trek does not do that Deep Space Nine will have an episode where they're playing a baseball game against Vulcans on the hollow suite uh, and then the next episode one of the characters is dealing with PTSD so, from the baseball game? You, yeah, no, that was a harsh game. It was a harsh game. Uh, so yeah, it really it whips you around. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Then, then we watched some episodes of The Expanse Day. That's still good. I'm about the end of the second season. Um, that's one that's uh, the tone is dark throughout. Uh, and then I watched uh, My Bloody Valentine. Wow. That's a pretty full week. Joey? Uh, I've, I've just got one. Uh, I watched uh, Vampirella. I don't know if it's fun. Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with Vampirella. Did they ever finish making an actual full-length movie? Yeah, it's just a Showtime film. Uh, directed by Jim Minorsky, although he regrets it. Oh man, <laughs> uh, Jim Minorsky, you know he, he directed one of your favorites. Yeah, Lost uh, Empire. Yeah, um, he says uh, it's a film I cannot watch. Ooh, um, that gives you some idea. Yeah, uh, it's ideal if you're really nostalgic for watching a comic book superhero movie pre Spider Man. Remember how great those used to be? Oh yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Uh, uh, very little budget. Um, stars Talisa Soto as Vampirella. Um, Roger Daltrey as Vlad. Angus Scrim as the High Elder of Draculon. How and, cool! Uh, uh, John Landis has a part in it as an astronaut. Um, it's uh, it, it's very poor. Um, Cast isn't bad, but uh, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's a curiosity piece. Uh, pretty much, pretty much sticks to the uh, origin story of the, the comic, and you know, as it was in the the original version, they I think they revamped it. Um, they revamped it. <laughs> yes, that's what I said. Uh, so this is like the uh, original Fori Ackerman idea uh, and uh, she's wearing something that uh, it's approximately the same costume as the uh, Trina Robbins design costume of the original um, but uh, yeah it, it wasn't terrible apparently they got plagued by lots of uh, bad luck like there was lots of theft and uh, uh, 
lot, lot of us filmed around Las Vegas, and the, the cast and crew would disappear to Las Vegas and party all night and lose loads of money, and then turn up you know, wrecked the next day. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was a little uh, curiosity thing. So that's the only uh, that's the only movie I watched this week. Um, I ah. I Google searched that while you were, <laughs> while you were talking. I had to pull up an image search. The costume is not quite there. It's you said approximate. It's approximate. Yeah, yeah. All right, then I'm gonna go look at this. Yeah, you kind of have to. It's uh, how do you screw something like that up? I have to ask. Like all the times they <laughs> all the times they wanted to make the thing and didn't make it, then they finally do and they can't even get the costume accurate. But they did that with every superhero movie before the Sam Raimi Spider Man. Ah. Even that costume is different, but at least it, you know it's, it's, they made a decent costume. But yeah, yeah, the superhero movies used to be so bad. Yeah, this. Oh yeah, yeah. This this costume looks like. I a... mean, you'd watch something like Ninja Turtles and think, "Wow, this is the best superhero movie ever." Yeah, <laughs> compared to the others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not quite the outfit. All right, so Will, you picked the you picked this one, My Bloody Valentine. Were you just missing? Yeah. You were just missing Canadian horror, and you really wanted this. Yes. Had you seen it before? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you really are sorry, aren't you? You just got to write the script uh, without the word "sorry" in it if you want to fool us, but. So why yeah, why you pick, yeah, basically why you pick this? Because it's a Valentine's movie, and that is the only and movie. it's pretty classic, and we hadn't watched it yet. Classic in the sense that it's old. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you had seen it before, though. Ooh, yeah, but it had been so long. The only thing I remembered was who the killer was. Yeah. It was. It was kind of wild. It was like the second he came on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember him now. He's the killer. And then the rest of the movie was just total blank. <laughs> so it's I couldn't have told you anything about it. Just, you know, true mind eraser, true mind eraser. Like I figured I'd remember someone getting boiled in hot dog water, but no, no, um, Jolien, you'd seen this before, I'm guessing, because oh, yeah. you, you own it. Yep, I own it twice. So you you not only bought the thing, but you watched it and then bought it again. Oh yeah, I I, I watched this on the big screen. They uh, oh wow they re-released it in Britain with um, I think it was Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. They put out a double bill of them. But uh, yeah, it's just like uh, when you think the American edition was cut, the uh, once it got through the UK censors, it was incomprehensible. <laughs> it's like certain characters, the music would build, and then you wouldn't see that character again, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, clutching my my treasured copies of My Bloody Valentine, I knew what had happened. But so, um, yeah, I'm I'm just recently um, they put out a. Uh, 93 minute uh, edition of it on Blu-ray, which looks really good. Uh, 4K scan, and it's got uh, 
they've managed to find as much footage as they could and put it back in and it's all uh, cleaned up so it, it matches the rest of the film. Oh, good. Oh, very nice. So uh, this this one uh, was heavily cut, as you mentioned, because it was the video nasties era for you. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, by, the, by the time I saw it, it was like several years after the video nasties. But it was already yeah. cut. Yeah, it was a re-release. But well, I mean, they, this, they cut it here, too. Yeah, this is really, uh, they cut out like nine minutes or so for uh, American release. Um, it was, uh, you know, a Friday the 13th had come out and uh, Canada was kind of embarrassed that they were doing all these I mean, they were doing some of the best slasher movies, and uh, but they were embarrassed that these were doing well in America, and and uh, and American censors were gunning for the slashes as, as well. So, um, uh, and this this one, uh, if you see the uh, uh, the uh, fairly complete version, it, it gets really brutal, um, and uh, yeah, this this came in for a lot of cutting. Yeah. The- now, when uh, I have to be honest with you guys, this is the, my first time seeing this one because I always looked at the video box at the rental places and said, "Nah, that's going to be dumb. I don't want this one." <laughs> and uh, I got to say, I am not the biggest fan of this, but this—that's this, uh, neither here nor there because it does have some history behind it. But um, at this point they were trying to ride the wave of Friday the 13th because it did so well a year, year and a half previous. Uh, apparently this really bummed out Paramount uh, because it only a little more than doubled its money. Yeah. You know, they didn't make, you know, five times or 10 times their money or whatever, right. whatever it was with Friday the 13th. So there's no, no sequel. Yeah. <laughs> just a remake <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh so tell me what uh, works for you as far as this movie goes um I, i'm curious uh, i could tell you what works and what doesn't work for me but i want to know from you guys like how, how does how does it go for you well well it goes fairly well i thought it went pretty well on the rewatch um it's not the most exciting slasher movie um i thought they set up the mystery fairly well although i have one sort of hang up on it um as i mentioned that um i remembered who the killer was i also noticed though that the killer is the only one that looks like the character as far as hype goes uh they only introduce a few characters, and then uh, you kind of go, hmm, one of them is taller than everybody else, and Killer seems to be particularly tall. How does that work out? But there's also that guy, John, uh, who's he's one of the tallest guys, and uh, the first time you see him, he picks his girlfriend up by the head, uh, much like the opening Killer. Oh, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, good point. Yeah, the, Good point. <clears throat> so the cold. I'm trying to throw you off. Yeah. So the so the, oh certainly. So the cold open is supposed to be a flashback, or is it supposed to be the first kill of the contemporary kills? 
I think it's the first one of the, the contemporary. Okay. Yeah. Films. I'm yeah. not sure who the woman is, though, um, because no one misses her for the rest yeah. of the movie. And, that uh, kind of bothered me. Yeah. Uh, also, once you know the once you know who the killer is, he's the guy who's like uh, all upset about uh, his girlfriend seeing someone else. But he's obviously picked up this woman. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't not, count. Then. Yeah, not that that doesn't happen in real life. But. Yeah, it's called a rebound. You know, serial serial killers are are people too. Yeah, but but you know, a, a guy who expects his his woman to be faithful to him, and but then thinks nothing of. Yeah, I think that's else. that's really true to to uh, real life, though. I've known lots of people who complain about cheating, and really against cheating, are the first to cheat, and I think it's because they know that they're going to cheat, so it's in the back of their mind, and they assume that others will too. Yeah. <clears throat> beware those protests yes yeah yeah this uh apparently the the uh the setting or the uh location for this was uh was chosen and then the owners of the mine cleaned it up way too much did you read this yeah 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 they painted <laughs> it all up uh so it's all bright and spanky new looking uh, which horrified the filmmakers. So they had to spend almost three hundred, no, thirty thousand, thirty thousand, yeah, thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> so you know, already before they started, you know, production, they, were, they had this huge debt to deal with. Yeah, uh, just throwing money down the hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I I took some notes at first while I was watching this for probably about the first half. Um, it was I, I I wrote that the cold open is a confusing minor couple about to possibly have sex, but then murder instead. Now yes. that was a weird start for me, but I thought okay they they want to come out of the gate swinging, but then it's the happiest bunch of miners. They don't even look like they're tired from the day's work. I don't know how they how they got so dirty, but they couldn't be happier to be giggling and showering together. Well, they they've been down, they've been a mile underground, risking their lives all day. You know, they they just want to wash up and go into town and drink some beer and hang out with their girlfriends. Yeah, I'm not sure they're as interested in their girlfriends as maybe they let on, but uh, uh, th- I don't know. It was a it was. Very vigorous showering and very happy, giggly times in the showers. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of off-putting because you kind of expect these guys to be like just dead tired and dragging. And it's like, all right, I'll just get this layer of grime off of me so I can go drink some beer. And uh, so I found it kind of like maybe the male minor equivalent of the um, playful pillow fight that we see women do in a lot of movies. <laughs> I think this was the counterpart to that. Um, then, uh, yeah, my note is: shouldn't they be tired? They're they're pretty happy. A uh, lot of conspicuous product placement of uh, Moosehead beer. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, clearly, Moosehead was like, "Hey, uh, we'll give you lots of cases of beer. Just make sure you say it and show it." And they did. So, 
I don't know. I'm guessing everybody involved really liked beer and Molson really liked, uh, or I'm sorry, Moosehead. I think it's made by Molson, but Moosehead was, uh, very happy to get, uh, the publicity. So yeah, they gave, they gave him a lot of the decor for the bar scenes as well. Yeah. A lot of the beer signs and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the labels were not turned away from the camera or Greeked as we found out that's called, uh, yeah. everything was fully pointed at the camera. So, yeah, that was that was something that stood out right away. Um, the flashback that we got when we knew for sure it was a flashback gave us all the exposition we could ask for. Just dropped it all in just one, yep. one swell foop. Yeah, I think both the flashback scenes are really well edited. It's, uh, they just give you what you need and get out. They yep. don't hang around. They don't want to make you guess. And I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, they decide to work around the uh, threat that they're all living under, that the, the killer is going to come back. They decide to work around that by not having a dance, but having a party instead. So they figured that was a loophole. Well, the, these, these, the, uh, the miners are all like uh, about 30 years old, right? Yeah. So they, they would have been little kids when the original event happened. They, they wouldn't have a clear memory of it, like the uh, like the police chief would. Yeah, or the barkeep. Yeah, happy. Happy. Do you like him? Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> uh, I didn't know. Uh, I figured he'd get killed at some point, but it was a little sooner than I thought. Yeah, he's the second one. He was drinking Cuddy Stark like Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, dear listeners, it's not Cuddy Shark, no matter what what some dumb dumb thinks. (laughs) It's not. It's named after a boat. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah, they're they're very happy to be decorating for the party, too. They... um, and I made a note here somewhere in, in uh, watching this that everything that's not a mine, which I assume is a coal mine, I guess I didn't really notice what they were mining. It's a coal mine. Okay. Uh, anything that's not a coal mine uh, looks like the set uh, of Happy Days, like uh, Arnold's Diner. I didn't, I didn't get that. No? I mean, I know what Arnold's Diner looks like, but I didn't think the movie looked like that at all. No, I, I thought it was very brightly lit, and everyone was wearing colorful clothes and lots of... I thought you were going to say uh, High Plains Drifter, because the whole town's painted red. Oh, that's a good point. I like that. I haven't watched High Plains Drifter in years, but uh, that's a great Eastwood movie. Um, yeah, the... Uh, Oh, the the uh, the happy shower gang also likes singing when they're out drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jolene, did you ever go out singing with your friends when you would go to the pub? Yeah, I mean, I mean this is small town stuff, you know. It, you got drinking, fighting. Uh, there's not much to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess singing some songs. Why not? <clears throat> um. Another note that I made was the uh, the uh, the grab ass miners um, can also get mad because they got into some they got into some fights. Uh, 
You know, there was there was a yeah. pushing, shoving, and yelling going on. So I, it's not all. But there's there's a there's a lot of uh, tragedy and pathos cutting through this movie because apart from the uh, killings, you've got the uh, this they're in this town and all there is is the mine. There's one bar. Yeah. There's one administrative building which has everything in it, not the police yeah. station, everything. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's one store called uh, for where women can shop called like OK Fashion. Um, there's there's like uh, you see a shadow of a tree, but apart from that, you don't see trees. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you never see the sun. It's like tumbad that you avoided showing the sun at all. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, um, so and you know, so, uh, a few of the miners want to get out, and like TJ is trying to get out. He's the son of the uh, the mayor, isn't he? But he he's gone west uh, to do something or other. They never say what. He's failed miserably, and he's ended up going back to his dad's mine. And uh, uh, then the the guy who gets uh, boiled in hot dogs wants he, he says he wants to get out. You know, a few minutes before he gets killed. Um, and then TJ has come back, and he's uh, he's immediately resentful that his girlfriend's taken up with something, someone else, uh, and he, he's he's a creep about it. I, I was, you know, each time I watch it, I was kind of hoping that he'd be the killer so he'd get knocked off. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's he's not a nice guy, and, um, uh, but you know, all these people wanted wanted to get out of this town not able to um and you also have um uh the, you know they care about each other you know when when people get killed they're really upset they're, you know, they're traumatized you know the the men cry about their girlfriends when they get killed and uh you have that very sad you know when uh when the uh chief gets the box of chocolates and he really and it's from mabel you know after she's oh, yeah. been killed that's, that's really a sad scene, you know. It is. So there's this good uh, undercurrent of uh, uh, pathos to this film, I think. Yeah. Had you ever wondered what it would look like if uh, John Candy and Wilfred Brimley had a kid? <laughs> Are you talking about uh, Hollis? It Hollis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's great, isn't he? Yeah, I, li- I think I like him the best. I, I was sad to see him he's go. In- he's interesting because every other slasher... The fat guy is the the doofus. Yeah, uh, he's the butt of everyone else's jokes. Um, but in this, he's like the respected kind of uh, leader, the one that everyone will listen to, even in in extremists. You know, when there's a fight going on, he he can stop it. And so yeah, on. yeah. Um, and he's yeah, I like know, him he's too. got a very pretty girlfriend, and they have this really nice uh, relationship going. Uh, yeah, he's, he's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a different way of handling that type of character. Yeah, that archetype doesn't get a lot of respect in slashers. You're right. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, this was filmed in uh, Nova Scotia. Yeah. Which um, it's it, it's no surprise they named Nova Scotia what they did because it literally translates to New Scotland. Yes. <laughs> so just cold and rainy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, the Sydney Mines in Nova Scotia. Um, yeah, they, they filmed it in late 1980. 
Yeah. Uh, this, uh, what I found says that the mines had closed in 75, but obviously there was a still, still an owner, um, tending to it. But, uh, yeah, they had considered another location in Nova Scotia, but they decided that this one looked dreary, cold and dusty. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Mission accomplished. They got that. And uh, no other buildings around it, so it looked like it was in the middle of nowhere. I like that, too, because, yeah, isolation is always good for horror. Because you can't just kind of take off to the, you know, the neighboring town or whatever. You're just nowhere. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, I would say, like, you do like a lot of the characters watching this. And uh, as much as I don't believe them, I do like them. I mean, they don't have to be believable to be likable for me anyway. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, some of the silliness that I've talked about earlier doesn't ruin the movie. Um, but my biggest problem with it, like the, the one thing I will say that I, that kept it from working for me was that I never felt the suspense or the dread. It all, it, it felt perfunctory to me, but then when you read how much they cut the thing, then maybe you also had to lose some of the setups. So maybe it worked better to begin with. I don't know, but, uh, I never felt the same way when Jason is stalking campers and you get like the killer POV and then you see the innocent, foolish campers being innocent and foolish. You sometimes get a false setup and then, uh, a surprise knockdown. I didn't get much of that from this. Like the guy with the spring-loaded uh, uh, mannequin in the closet, you know the third or fourth time he opened that door. Oh, yeah. I, you know, it's, like, it's usually the rule of three, isn't it? It's like a, setting up a joke. Yeah. Like three is the punchline. Yeah. But he does it three times, and then he walks away, and then he goes back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, if you see the uncut version of that scene, it's really nasty. Oh, so it's. I don't know. I don't know what you saw, but like in the theatrical cut, he opens the door, and then uh, you get a flash of the miner, and then you see his back, and then he's down. But in the uncut version, the uh, the pickaxe goes up to his chin, whacks out his eye. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, and then uh, then the miner's like uh, drags him away by his head. <laughs> oh man! See. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, it, so at least you got the gore, if not, uh, if not surprised by the uh, the rule of three goes into four. Yeah, I, I found it much more effective. The the, you know, the the less uncut you can see, this better. It's yeah, much, yeah. Much more impact. Yeah. But like Mabel was really sad. Uh, she, she's so nice. <laughs> she's like, she's got. You know, she's kind of uh, got a thing for the cheap and, yeah. uh, you know, she's she's doing all this party and she wants to take care of the kids and everything. And uh, then she gets killed in the laundromat. And uh, that, that scene where she uh, pops out the dryer is uh, much longer in the, the uncut. Okay. The fairly uncut version. Uh, it's really gruesome. Um, but, uh, yeah. Do you find... Uh, did you ever go to laundromats much? There are 
always found him quite creepy. Yeah. I, I always found him really depressing. Yeah. There yeah. Was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially during college. Uh, that's most of the places I lived didn't have laundry facilities. So I mm-hmm. got, I got to know the laundry mat, the laundromat pretty well. Uh, it's weird. Cause it has a very sanitary smell, like a very bleach and detergent smell, but yet there seems to be just dust bunnies collected at the edges of everything. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, nothing but other disenfranchised or, or less well-to-do people surrounding you. And, you know, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I'm just a, you know, a crappy college student. I, I should be here. But then you see people who, they're parents and they have kids and they're in this place with you. It's like, yeah, I have an excuse to be a loser, but holy crap. <laughs> am I going to be in this spot in 10, 15, 20 years? Oh, no. <laughs> and then... uh a lot of weirdness happens in laundromats at night if they're open late or if they're open 24 oh, yeah. hours. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, there's... yeah. Those are the only times I could go to them. So it's like you'd be in this, the one brightly lit place on the street in, in the dark. <laughs> yeah. and, you're, and you're on display for all the weirdos. Yeah, by. you're on display with, sitting there with your underwear and anyone can come in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, a, a much better version of the laundromat, uh, and I don't know that if it still exists, but when I lived in Seattle back in the 90s, uh, there was a place called Sit and Spin, and yeah. <laughs> they had they it, there was a full bar and live music, but you, <laughs> but you could go do your laundry. But, I think the one on, uh, uh, I bet everyone tuned in for laundromat talk. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, like so, Denver has a street called Colfax, which is the longest main s- street in America. Yes, yeah. And they had the the biggest laundromat Smiley's? in the country as well. Smiley, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smiley's is no longer with us, but it was uh, it was famous enough to have a sign on the door. Yeah, yeah. Smiley's was. Uh something that got my attention early on because uh, I have a friend with a last name smiley. So I had to send her a picture of it. <laughs> Look at this giant laundromat with your last name. Oh yeah. Um, when I lived in Hawaii, I used to have to put all of my laundry in an army duffel bag, one of those really big duffel bags and then haul it on my mountain bike. Oh, <laughs> so uh, I wasn't only enough of, Enough of a loser to n- not have laundry facilities, but I also had to ride my bike to go there. <laughs> Ooh, that's rough. Tough times. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I- I'm surprised there's not more murders in laundromats. <laughs> and I know there's there's one movie that does have, like, the commercial folding machine, the Mangler, I think it's called. Oh, yeah, the Toby Hooper. Yeah. Okay. That's the only one I know of that, that has laundry related horror other than this movie. Uh, there's, there's, pro- there's probably more where somebody throws the pet or the, or the girlfriend in a dryer or something. There's gotta be more of them, but, uh, it doesn't spring to mind, but, but I think there's, I think there's more that could be done there. Yeah. <laughs> because no matter what you do with technology, there's always going to be laundromats. 
Probably. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You know, your your uh, your stuff breaks down, and you have to go for like a week or two or three while you try to afford new machines or whatever, and uh, or get something repaired. So, yeah, there, there's there's plenty of uh, you know down on your luck, go to the laundromat, get murdered possibilities for stories. <laughs> So uh, another thing that distinguishes this movie, I, I, I really like it. Okay. I, I'm a fan of this. Um, one of the other things that distinguishes it is uh, the the people in this are uh, they're not like college students or supposedly high school people like this. <laughs> um, yeah, they're uh, you know they're late twenties, early thirties, working class. Um, uh, so that's uh, really different to the usual uh, crowd you get going off to summer camps and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like that. Uh, I found it much easier to identify with than, than the Friday the 13th crowd. Yeah. It's funny. Like if you really want to get your audience invested, you kind of have to make the characters relatable or believable on some level. And I don't know. Uh, summer camp was never a thing in my life. And I didn't know anyone. No. Who, I didn't know anyone who went to one. Um, maybe we were just in the wrong place or it was the wrong time, but there was, yeah. ne- there was never any, Oh, get on the bus or we're going to, or we're going to go drop you off and pick you up in however many weeks. It always seems like it's several weeks long. Oh Yeah. Six weeks or so. Oh man, the parents get to just be whatever they want to be for six, <laughs> yeah. six weeks. Pick your. No, I mean, the, the people in this movie are like uh, they're working on their moosehead guts. Yep. You know, um, they just they they do this tough job and they they just want to blow off some steam and. Yeah. And the next day, go back down the mine. Yeah, it 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 seems like uh, yeah, there it would feel like a big dead end for all of them uh, in terms of a career. So maybe yeah, maybe they do need the booze and the antics. But uh, when they least expect it, they get some excitement in their lives. You know, they get the killer back. <laughs> How long did they say the killer had been Just gone? Like twenty years or something? Twenty years. Yeah. That's a good amount of time for everyone to let their guard down, isn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's been in the the original Harry Warden has been in this asylum at Eastfield, uh, and then they discover late in the movie that he's actually died five years, you know, previously. Yeah. So it can't be I mean, him. None of the cast knew who the killer was until the last two days of filming. Really? That's interesting. Even the guy who was revealed to be the killer? Yeah, even the guy who's revealed to be the killer. That's good. Uh, that, that, that's because he wanted to get all these uh, genuine reactions, you know, especially with the killer being concerned about his friends. Um, he didn't want him to be obviously faking concern. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. So this uh, movie was released just in time uh, 
in both the U.S. and Canada just in time for Valentine's Day. And, yeah. And I'm guessing that uh, Valentine's Day probably has become more popular in other countries over the years. But uh, I'm assuming it's mostly English-speaking countries that have commercialization, crass commercialization, that really celebrate it. Am I right? Or How was it in England? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you buy chocolates, all the, all the usual stuff. Yeah. I, in Japan, it's, uh, it's much more unfair. And they, um, uh, the women, or especially the office women, are expected to buy chocolates for all the men in the office. Oh. And, uh, and then the men aren't expected to do anything. <laughs> uh, they have this thing later on called, called a White Day when, when the men are supposed to do something nice back. But, you know, it's not really, they're not really held to it. But yeah, it's really unfair. So even when they're yeah. expected to, they're not expected to. <laughs> oh man, Japan doing it right. So yeah. so yeah, this was released on February 11th, and then in uh, Canada, I think it was the 13th for you know uh, uh, February 14th being Valentine's Day. Um, do you think this is a good date movie, you guys? <laughs> Sure. I mean, we're not the most conventional three people you'll ever meet, but uh, will uh, would you would you take your wife on a date night to this movie? Sure. <laughs> What's the worst date movie you ever went on? Do you ever pick something like Time Cop had uncomfortable nudity? <laughs> Time Cop. Yeah, there's a scene where uh, they're the the scene cuts and then it it comes back on uh, to the next scene and it's just a woman nude woman writhing around on a bed it's supposed to be virtual reality and then you cut to this guy who's got the glasses on and all that oh yeah but it just holds on this nude woman for quite a while and uh, I was on a first date with somebody who I I mean first date they didn't really know them. And it's just this kind of this embarrassing shot. And then it's like, it keeps going and going. And you're like, did they switch reels on us? What happened here? Yeah. Uh, that's probably the most embarrassing. Um, my first girlfriend when I was 15, uh, her favorite movie of all time was I Spit in the Grave. Really? Ah! <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, I, 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 by the end of the weekend, I, I decided I wanted to marry her. I thought this is the one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in, in Japan, uh, this kind of Japanese girlfriend who took me to see Schindler's List. Oh, geez. Ah. <laughs> that, you know, I was going to ask you guys if you ever got stuck going to something that was like way too long, like one of those three hour movies, like. Uh, English Patient or Gandhi or something where it's just like, wow, are we ever going to leave this movie? <laughs> I went on a blind date with the uh, foreign exchange student when I was in high school. I think she was from Sweden, Norway. I don't remember. But we got matched up and went to uh, a whole group of us went and watched uh, Forrest Gump. And she and I were the only ones who thought it was kind of small speak crap. <laughs> oh good and way too long she was 
she was really hard on it. I was like, eh, I don't know, maybe. And she was just like, that's the most American piece of crap I've ever seen. Blah blah blah. It was great. I really, I really enjoyed it. But she was not having it. She was just that was awful. An awful movie. Yeah, I don't think it ages well. Like I think a lot of people were under under the spell of Forrest Gump. But uh, to give you an idea, um, Pulp Fiction lost out to a couple of awards it could have gotten that Forrest Gump got. And Oh, that's right. I was all about Pulp Fiction. I think I went and saw that thing four or five times at the theater. And then back then you had to worry and wonder, like, is this ever going to come out in a timely fashion on VHS? Yeah. And when it did, I bought it. I ditched high school to go see that. There you go. I have, I, I have a great date story about about that one. Uh, I was uh, I had seen that bef- just before I moved to Seattle, and it was still in the it was still on its theatrical run. And uh, there was uh, this couple, um, Mike and Zoe, and uh, he he was kind of he kind of had his shit together, and she was kind of silly, and. Uh, there was this uh, brother and sister that rented an apartment down the hall and we were all talking one time, you know, just hanging out, drinking beers and talking. And uh, I was saying how great Pulp Fiction was. And uh, this one girl said she hadn't seen it. And I said, Oh, you should see it. Zoe says uh, something to the effect of what did you guys think about the uh, part after the credits where they show what was in the briefcase? And, uh, me and some other person who had seen it were both like, um, I don't remember anything after the credits. It's like, oh, maybe you didn't stay long enough. And so I end up uh, getting sort of set up with this girl who was roommates with her brother. And we go to the movie like late showing that night. And that's like a two and a half hour movie. Wait all the way through the credits. And then the lights come up. <laughs> and when we saw her like late that night or the next time and she just laughed at us she goes oh you needed to see it again anyway didn't you that's pretty good yeah so i I always enjoy you know when someone puts one over on me because usually it's the other way around (laughs) so that was pretty funny i was like why would they show us what's in the briefcase that seems appropriate that they didn't but she said yeah she said i mean so there anyway um, um talk about mysteries uh, a couple of things uh, occurred uh, uh, watching it this time uh like the first time you see the mayor uh, when they're walking down the street uh near the star uh there's a pair of twins that come walking by them there's these two girls in uh, identical blue jackets come walking by yeah uh, I wonder what that was about. It is uh, it's true to my experience of small, isolated towns. Um, you get a lot of twins. Uh, not not kidding, a lot of twins. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, there was like uh, when I was up in the northern Japan, you have these really isolated little towns. And they get cut off for months at a time by the winter. And uh, you'd have classes where you'd have like half a dozen sets of twins in one class is really difficult. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> um, 
anyway, uh, probably shouldn't go on about that. Um, <laughs> the, the other mysterious one is uh, knowing who the killer is. This guy, I know, you've seen that, uh, what's that movie about the guy who's, who's trained to be a serial killer? Oh. Uh, but anyway, he, he talks about having to be uh, to sprint to get everything set up. And the, the killer in this is just the Olympian because he's uh, he has to kill, do a kill. He has to change into his a complete miner's outfit, do a kill, cut out the heart, get a box of chocolates, put the heart of the chocolates, write a poem, deliver it all in secret. Uh, and he has to do this several times. He's also... Uh, uh, when they end up in the mine at, uh, at the end, this is the, the clown character. He's named uh, Howard. Yeah. Uh, so in one scene, they they realise that uh, uh, the best bet of getting out is to just go straight up the shaft ladder, uh, um, sort of clump out a mile up. Uh, but the killer has rigged up Howard's body at the top so that when the body falls down, the, uh, the snap of the rope... Uh, will uh, take his head off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The body, well, if you see the uncut version, you see it, the body drops down and then the neck is just like horribly distorted by this rope pulling on it and then his head gets torn off and you see his head dangling. Um, but anyway, he has to somehow get from the bottom of the mine up to the top with this body, set it up, get back down, and chase everybody up the uh, ladder. <laughs> it's just uh, an amazing feat. Indeed. Yeah. Um, the movie you were uh, talking about uh, was that uh, the rise of Leslie Vernon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah. okay. Yeah, that it's yeah. You're right. A lot of sprinting, a lot of cardio to be yeah. able to do all and, these uh, things. I, I watched uh, I watched this with Emily on Friday night, and uh, her question was, "Where did the killer put the chocolates?" Because he's bought several boxes of the chocolates, and they've all gone somewhere. Like, there at his house in a bowl. Yeah. I, I was coffee table. I was thinking, well, how many are how many are in a box that's big enough to hold a human heart? Maybe, yeah, maybe that's a, that's a good size box. Maybe a dozen or so. Yeah, more than that. I mean, I could understand well, getting halfway through the box. You know, you're happy to be wolfing them down, and then all of a sudden, you just feel a little just gross. <laughs> you don't want to eat anymore. <laughs> when you go for a boiled hot dog. <laughs> yeah. It's been boiling for like. 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Hard-boiled hot dog. <laughs> That's right. I wonder if that, that that victim, he's set up in the freezer. They have that great gag where they, they open the door and he's, you, you see the body, but no one else does. Like John yeah. opens the door. Yeah. He's set up uh, just like uh, the uh, uh, Marilyn Chambers character in uh, Rabbit. Yeah. Another Canadian horror movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the one they used for the poster, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that same shot. I, and, and My Bloody Valentine pays homage to uh, Black Christmas, which is like my favorite slasher ever, another Canadian classic. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, 74, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, all the POV stuff is direct homage to Black Christmas. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the director said so. Yeah, so... Uh, so at the end of it all, um, we, we finally get the reveal and, 
the cast is surprised. Uh, maybe, maybe we are too. Maybe we're not. But we find out that uh, what there's a there's a uh, a, a collapse and uh, oh, what all happens at the end? It, it, there's a whole lot of chase. Yeah, there's uh, there's the uh, uh, the tunnel they're not supposed to go in because it's old and it's kind of collapsed, and uh, they have the fight in that uh, with uh, TJ and Sarah versus Alex. Yeah. Uh, and then what happens in the theatrical version? Uh, some of the wall comes down, uh, and Alex is on one side of it, and they're on the other. And uh, the rescue party arrives, and uh, uh, Alex uh, somehow gets out, and he staggers away into the deeper down into the mine. Um, in the uh, the uncut scene. Uh, He's trapped in it, and uh, uh, Sarah goes to touch his hand, and uh, his hand has still got he's still got the little uh, plaster on his finger from when they were playing the knife game in the bar. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, she touches his hand, and he he grabs her hand, but then he cuts off his own arm with his knife, um, and then and then that's how he, he makes his escape into the tunnels. Yeah. Uh, it's very gruesome. Then we get the echoes. Yeah, it was hard to tell. It, it looked like maybe he had lost his arm in the cave in. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, that's what, you, run that's what away. you think. Yeah. But in the uncut one, you see him cut off his own arm. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, that was my main complaint with this, was that it felt very cut. Um, because of the time period it was made, you would expect Gorier kill. I mean, that's usually yeah. why early 80s slasher movies seemed to compete with one another was on the goriness of the kills and the, uh, right. you know, cleverness. That was always kind of what it yeah, this, this one got very gory. Um, That's, yeah, and I could tell, but I was at the same time cut so much that it was, it was uh, obvious that it was cut. Yeah. Um, it that- got more and more cut as it went on. I'm assuming the kills got more gory. Yeah. Uh, and they were just like, like the, uh, Harry at the waitress and whatever the boy she's with go off and, uh, they're making out in the mine. Um, and they get killed. You don't even see them get killed. Right. You that just, got completely cut. Yeah. That got completely cut. They, you know, they're killed because they're like the scene. I think the killer walks in or something comes in, you know, the killer starts to kill them and it just cuts. So you know what happens. You can imagine it. But at the same time, you're like, I know they filmed something. Yeah, they, they filmed it, but that uh, that's lost. They, they don't yeah. have that. Um, what happened is like they cut a few seconds, then a few seconds more, and then they had to resubmit it and it got cut again. So... And they were having to cut from their negative, so um, eventually, just uh, they, they had just fragments. They just dropped the whole scene. Yeah. Um, uh, but what what happened is uh, you have the couple that you see them making out, and then uh, in the scene that was shot, they're actually you know full on having intercourse, and uh, the killer uh, has that big all uh-huh. drill thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, he he uh, he sticks it in the back of um, I forget the fella's name. Um, 
and then she doesn't know what's going on. So he's kind of <laughs> spasming, <laughs> and uh, she's she thinks he's having a good time. <laughs> and uh, and then she finds out too late that that's not the case, and uh, she gets the uh, the drill through her as well. Um, but that was a uh, that was a bit too much for the senses. Yeah, yeah, the double auguring is yeah too much. But they yeah. uh, and and of course that's the one that they they never found it or or had they restored that part. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's completely gone. Yeah, because the yeah. uh, th- there were people who were speculating that maybe it was never part of the movie but the director said no we filmed it I you can see um if you if you go through the uh you know the photo gallery as you go through all of those you can see a shot from from it of the uh the minor sticking the drill back. Uh, okay so um what did you think of the ending it, it was kind of a setup for a sequel wasn't it because we get we get the crazy laughter and uh we're not we're not sure whether that's supposed to be Harry Warden or Axel, and then we get the the ballad of uh, of uh, Harry Warden while the yes. while the credits play. I mean, clearly that's a setup for a sequel. But uh, how do you feel if it's not? How do you feel it goes for an ending? I think it's a good ending as, as is, uh, and it's definitely Alex uh, Axel. I mean, um, I like the song and I like his. Uh, you know, his, his, his last laugh, uh, you, you know, because you know the survivors are going to be hearing that for the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, this, this didn't make enough money to warrant a sequel. They did have uh, ideas for a sequel, but uh, yeah, it never happened. I think this movie would make a, if they do a theme, uh, a slasher-themed, uh, like, uh, haunt, uh, this would be good because you've got like the uh, the mine cars, you've got the uh, the, the dummy uh, miner in the shed gag. Yeah, um, yeah, this would make a good ride or something. Yeah, it would. Yeah, good dark ride. Yeah, the, a really cool thing that a lot of haunted attractions do is a fake elevator, and with you know very convincing movement and things going past little windows. And uh, I think they could give you the sensation that you've dropped several hundred feet into a mine and then take you through. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of ways to trick people's imagination. Um, so all that being well, said, by the way, the, the guy playing uh, Axel Palmer is uh, he's played by Neil Affleck, the blonde guy. Yeah, um, he became a he he did a kind of supporting parts in a couple of other Canadian movies that he was in Scanners and Visiting Hours. Yeah. But he went on to be an animator on The Simpsons. Yeah, oh. I read that too. He's worked on a couple other yeah. things as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, several cast members did lots of voice work, like um, uh, Keith Knight, who played Hollis, he did, he did lots of animation voice work. And uh, Don Franks, who, who's, uh, he plays Chief Newbie, uh, who's, uh, he's a Native American, by the way. Uh, yeah, he's done tons of voice work. Oh, that's really cool. So, uh, um, this, this movie also, uh, have you heard of a British band called uh, My, My Bloody Valentine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so this, um, this is yeah. a, their namesake. Yeah, they, they like, uh, Kevin Shields, who's like the uh, the main fella in that 
that band. He he denies that they got the uh, the band name from the movie, and uh, he uh, he says they didn't find out about it until a couple of years later. They they formed in 1983 and somehow didn't hear of this movie, mm. and uh, he said uh, uh, a couple of years later we discovered it was a really really crap terrible Canadian film. Those are his words. <laughs> well, he's less a fan of it than I am. I mean, <laughs> that's that's cool. Uh, in the uh, in the trivia on IMDb, uh, it says that Quentin Tarantino has named this as one of his favorite all time favorite slashers. Yeah, it's all yep. that. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah, he used, used to play the uh, that end song. On the on the set of Inglorious Bastards. Oh, uh, that's funny. Um, so, how do you guys feel about recommending this one? Uh, Will, do you want to go first? How do you feel about? Yeah, I'd recommend it. Yeah, uh, clearly not a so much a date film unless you're a couple of horror fans. But uh, oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, Schindler's I List. Recommend it as a date film. Yeah, along with Gone Girl. And uh, marriage story. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. I needed. I need more of those bad let lists. But uh, I would recommend this. I um. Uh, I don't think it's the best film, but it, it was pretty good. Uh, unlike you, I thought there was some tension to it. I thought there was a bit of suspense. Um, I was a bit spoiled because I remember who the killer was. Okay. Uh, which is weird. Um, but yeah, I would recommend it. Okay. Um, I don't think I had the problems with it that you did. I I found it perhaps a bit predictable, but that's because there's been 40 years of films after this, uh, you know, slashers and whatnot. It's, it's a slasher formula. It's not anything unusual or a real different take on it, but that's fine. That's, you know, it, it did what it said on the box. Okay. I think that's fair. <laughs> Julian, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really like it. It's one of my favorite slashes. Okay. Well, it's, it's not even going to crack the top five for me, but uh, do you recommend, I mean, clearly you recommend it to horror fans. Yeah. Essential viewing. If you're a fan of slashers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say that, uh, I would give it a, um, moderate recommend. Like I do feel like this is part of, you know, the whole lineage of slasher films. Uh, it, it gets on pretty early as far as the history of it all. I mean, we, we had a big gap between, uh, black Christmas and the next really important one, which was Halloween and then Friday the 13th. Uh, there were other slashers, but I mean, ones that really stood out, uh, you know, this was the first one, uh, well in a year, but the, you know, if you, if you put this back to back with Friday the 13th, it was the first, uh, slashers to come along in a few years since Halloween. And they weren't, they weren't exactly riding the wave, like everything that came after this. Like there were so many of them that were just like, let's slap together something, uh, 
this is clearly a dumb audience. We'll give them whatever we want uh, and they'll like it. These guys actually made an effort. You could see they made an effort. They, they spent mm-hmm. a lot of money on this. Uh, the scares didn't work for me. The tension didn't work for me. But, uh, but yeah, I would recommend it based on its place in history. And uh, in terms of kills, you do get some eye candy. Hopefully uh, the unedited version. So, yeah, I, I would I would say go ahead and watch the thing. I, I don't really, I'll probably watch it again at some point, but I don't think I'll go out and buy like a steel box edition or anything like that. So, um, all that being said, uh, it's my pick for next time, and I think we got to do it before it turns into spring. How about we do our wintry three? Okay. Okay. What do you want us to do? You want uh, to each pick a movie. Let's yeah, let's each pick a a, a real cold, snowy, wintry movie. And uh, I would say, if you want, I'll email you guys the list of what we've done so far, so we don't repeat anything. Or sure, if uh, if that's impossible, then uh, maybe we'll have to make reference to. But uh, I think there's got to be some other cold stuff out there we could watch. And. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, it was windy today here in Denver, but uh, not as cold as it could have been. No. Yeah, we're, we're missing out on all the, the wintry fun everyone else is getting. Yeah, if we have listeners in New York, they're going to be like, yeah, <laughs> it's wintry here. But yeah, I think that would be really cool to to do our wintry three. And then after that, it'll be your pick, Jolian. And then back to Will. Well, is there anything else before we get out of here, you guys? I don't think so. Oh, cool. We'll wrap it up then. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in a week to do the Wintry 3. We'll each bring a Wintry movie uh, to the attention of our listeners and talk about them. So um, I guess uh, spoilers, you'll just have to uh, <laughs> watch everything that we list and then come back and listen later. <laughs> However you want to do it. Um, but listeners, thank you for listening. Yeah, for more. <laughs>